You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. There we go. All right. You see that waiting on love. And I can tell right away a few people are scared already. What is this talk going to be about? Um, I, I made that little slide, that little, I thought of my theme, my title for the day. And then I looked at it this morning. I'm like, yikes, that kind of reminds me of, of youth group, high school, the true love waits talk. Uh, did anybody else think that when they saw that? Or, no, just me. Okay. Okay. You got it. So you thought, oh boy, he's going for the abstinence speech this morning to, a, to an adult, you know, church. He's, he's going youth group on it. Um, I'm all for the true love waits talk, but that is not what we were getting into this morning. I remember being a teenager, going, going to youth, thinking this is going to be a good day, and then we knew it was coming. Guys and girls split up, really awkward questions from that one really weird kid in the youth group. You know what I'm talking about. Ben knows exactly who I'm talking about. Like, why would you ask that question? Now now I got this scar in my mind because my leader actually answered it. Like, oh, it's a bad, it's a bad day. We are not going there this morning. Um, we are not going that way, but I, I do want to talk about waiting on love and, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, let's, let's pray. How about that? Father, we just ask that your, your Holy spirit just lead us this morning, that you open our hearts to your word. You open our, our, our lives to you and to a response in your love and a response in your word. God, um, I, I pray that you would just speak through me this morning that you would have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, let's, let's go. If you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 11. If not, I have it here on the screen as well. John chapter 11. We're going to read this passage of Scripture. And um, I recently, I've had a few things in this part of Scripture highlighted to me. And I just I had to share it with you because it was, it, was, it was too good to not share with you. So that's where we're going this morning. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, in the, the village of Mary and his sister Martha, her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed Jesus with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus moved Martha or Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Let's stop there. Who's heard the story of Lazarus before, right? Most of us have heard the story of Lazarus. Lazarus is Jesus's friend. Jesus is somewhere else. They send word to him. Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to wait. Jesus gets there. Lazarus is dead. Like he's been dead for a while, dead. And, you know, he's in the tomb. Lazarus come forth. Tomb rolls away. Out comes the mummy. Like, you know, but he's alive, wrapped up. You guys know the story, right? Most of you anyway. So Jesus ends up raising Lazarus from the dead. I just gave you the entire story. There's a whole lot more to it. I challenge you to read the entire story, John chapter 11. It's a good chapter, not just because John 11:35 is there, which is every... Every private school student's favorite verse, it's Jesus wept. It's easy to memorize. I remember in class, like Bible class, okay, you guys all get to pick your own verse to memorize this week. John eleven thirty five. I already got it. Jesus wept. Pretty easy. Not John eleven thirty five. Ah, the whole class would be mad. We actually have to find a verse that's close to being as short as Jesus wept. Okay. Um, that was, I grew up in private school, so this stuff all brings back memories. It's bad. Um, John eleven thirty five is not where we're going. Why did Jesus weep? That's not what we're talking about this morning. Um, 
But John 11, there's a lot there. I challenge you, go ahead and read through the whole thing. There's a, there's a lot to it. It's good stuff. But that's not what we're focusing this morning. I like this. So Jesus is, Jesus is about, they, they figured about 110 miles away from where, where Lazarus is. They send a messenger to Jesus saying, and what, what, what does he say? Because he wants Jesus to do something. He wants Jesus to come and heal him. And he says this in verse 3. Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. He who you love is sick. We, we tend to do this sometimes where we, we, we have a request, something we want God to do, something we want Jesus to do, and we appeal to him. Um, we, who's heard those really ridiculous pleading prayers, you know, like you want somebody to get healed, and it's just like 45 minutes of like quoting 100 scriptures and stuff. Anybody else hear those prayers before? Like we, we plead to him out of two, two ways. We plead to him out of how much we've done for him a lot, or then we plead to him out of how much he loves us. It's one of those two things. Either Jesus do this, I, you know, I've really been living my life for you. I've really done this. I've sacrificed this. I've sacrificed this. God, could you do this because you're so good and because, you know, you're giving me favor? Like, who's prayed those kind of prayers? Maybe not in those words, but you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. I, I've been there. Like, I've prayed hard because you know, I figured, you know, I kind of earn it. Then we get past that stage. Sometimes we just go to the Jesus, your word says this, this verse says this, this verse says this, like we got to remind God of all the verses that he wrote in the Bible. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, Oh, in case you forgot, you love me, you know, that maybe this will remind you of why you should help me out this time. They go to him and they say, Jesus, the one who you love is sick. They remind him, you love him. I think we, we get there a lot in the, as, as people, as, as Christians, God, God, you love us. But I also look at that verse and there's a different thing. There's a different way to look at this. Those in that time, they, they didn't go to the first response. They didn't come to him with, Hey, you know, you, Lazarus is a good man. He's, you know, remember what his sister did. She poured oil on your feet. Remember that, how, how expensive that perfume was and how she sacrificed so much. They went straight to the love aspect because I think that in that day, those who experienced Jesus, who were close to Jesus, they began to identify themselves by his love for them. Let me give you an example. The entire book of John. How does John refer to himself? Not as me, not as John, but the one who Jesus loved, the disciple who Jesus loved. It's kind of, kind of a little arrogant sounding. you know, if I would just be like writing a book, you know, about me and my friend, I name all, all of our other friends, and then I get to me, and I'm like, hey, the one that Mark really loved, I'm his best friend. You know, When you get close to Jesus, we begin to identify not how much we love him or how, how good of a friend we are to him, but how good of a friend and how, how much love he has for us. Is that tracking? We begin to identify ourselves no longer for what we've done, but how he loves us. So there's the example of John, and right here it is in verse 11. The one who you love. The one who you love. So we established the fact that he loves them. Let's, let's check this verse out. Uh, verse 5. Let's go there. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Wait, what? What? That's the natural response. Okay. Jesus loved him very much. So his response was to do nothing for two days. Do nothing. It doesn't make any sense. If, if somebody ran to me and said, my wife is sick, 
you, you can help her. Only you have the way to help her. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to relax here for two more days to see how bad she really gets. Then I'm going to leave. That is not your typical love response, is it? When my daughter comes to me with a boo-boo, I'm, I'm not like, you know, go to your room, let it bleed for an hour, and then I'll, I'll come and get the peroxide out. It doesn't work like that. That's not my response. But here, Jesus, it, it, it draws the two together. He loved them, so he waited. He loved them, loved them, so he waited. What? This is where the theme, the waiting on love comes from, in case you guys were wondering still. That's where it comes from. Just a little clue. Um, he loved them, so he waited. See, like I said before, they were separated by 110 miles. This is north and south. Big difference, okay? And so the messenger comes, and he waits. Jesus, set, Jesus waits two days, and then he tells his, his disciples. This is what you'll find when you look it up. Um, he tells his disciples, hey, Lazarus is asleep. Okay, and they're like, well, if he sleeps, he'll wake up. That's pretty much. And then it says they literally thought he was talking about sleeping. And Jesus is like, no, he's dead. Like he was, he like, I, apparently I have to be blunt with you guys. Jesus is dead. So after two days, Jesus knows that he is dead. He's 110 miles away. And he's like, he's dead. So now we can leave. They leave then. And by when they arrive, Lazarus is four days in the tomb, it says. Okay. So track with me here. If. If Jesus waits two days, this is going old school math, right? Jesus waits two days, then leaves, makes this journey, and he gets there, and Lazarus is four days dead. How long would Lazarus have been dead if Jesus left immediately? Two days. If Jesus would have left right away, Lazarus would have still been dead two days. So why didn't he just go? Why, why didn't he just leave? Let, let me go history on you here. Jewish tradition at that time was that a man could die and his spirit, this is Jewish superstition, Jewish belief, custom at that time. His spirit could hover around the body for three days. His spirit could be there waiting for, just waiting to re-enter is what it says. Just waiting to re-enter up until the third day. At the third day, it would look at itself, its body. The spirit would look at its body and say, you're too decayed for me to get back into. Pretty much what it would be. So if Jesus would have left the first day, he would have got there at day two, right? Tracking. And he would have healed him, rose from the dead. People would have looked at that and said, you know, the spirit, that, that happens before. It wasn't uncommon for somebody that like, they thought was dead a, a day and a half later, wake up fine because something inside healed. They came back. They already got like the tomb and the guy's knocking on the tomb trying to get out. They didn't, they didn't uh, embalm people like they do now. So they would tr- start to bury somebody and then they would wake up. So they would, three days, that was the cutoff. You've been gone three days. You ain't coming back. Jesus waits till a moment where he can leave and show up, heal them, where they can look at the miracle and say, it wasn't because he just woke up. It wasn't because it, his spirit was hovering, waiting for a time to go back. He was dead. He, he, she says he stinketh. When he says roll away this tomb, he, she says he stinketh. He's already decayed. He's nasty looking. Jesus shows up and does his miracle then, not when he could have left. Does that make sense? So there's, there's, a time, there's a time that when I began to see that, I'm like, wow. He could have just left right away and still done a miracle. But people's rational minds would have been like, no, look, look at the superstition. Like, we've seen it happen before. Day two, you can wake back up. You can come back out of this. The body, the spirit's still hovering. Jesus says something there that 
proves that, look, I did this by myself. Um, there was no embalming. He was, he was gone. This reminds me, uh, two months ago, my, my grandmother died. And um, I was, it was like a, a day later, I'm with my mom. It was after the viewing. And my mom's like complaining about how like she just didn't look like grandma. I'm thinking like she didn't like the makeup job they did on her, I guess, and, and why they put her. My mom was complaining about the kind of clothes she was wearing because grandma would never wear those clothes. I'm like, mom, she's dead. Like she looks pretty good for dead. Like she's been embalmed. Like hey, what do you want her to look like? She's not winning awards here. It's, it's, this, this is not the culture. They did not embalm people then. He was decaying. They, now we can preserve people. I looked at my grandma a week later, and she still looked kind of like my grandma. She didn't stinketh. She, she, I'm like, oh, that's my grandma. I'll give her a little kiss on the head. If she stanketh, I wouldn't have done that, you know? This is a different culture then. And Jesus shows up after he stunk, stunketh, stinketh, stanketh, and did something incredible. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm working on my tenses here. It's great. Jesus, Jesus delayed in answering our requests. Why? See, we see his love for us when the miracles in our lives show good how, only, how good only he can be. How good only he can, he can do it. The miracle that only he can do. I couldn't have made that happen. The spirit hovering around couldn't have jumped back in. It was a miracle that only he could do. Jesus shows up in this, in, in that custom, like today, today's culture is you go to a funeral. If somebody starts to wail and cry, like I've seen a couple of them at the viewing, they kind of take them to a back room. In that culture, you didn't take them to the back room. You brought, you paid whalers. Like, oh, you're a good crier? Come on out. Come it's a few, Seriously, even the poor people, hey. Here's a nickel. Come out and scream your head off. Cry hysterically. That's the way the custom was. The custom was not to like look at like let's everybody shake hands as a good family reunion. It's let's wail for this guy. Let's just put all of our attention on the dead guy. Like that was the custom. That you would pay whalers. And they had money. They spent a whole year's perfume on Jesus' foot. They weren't poor people. Okay? They paid whalers. This is a big event. This is people coming out. To, to wail over Lazarus, and Jesus does the what he does is take the attention off of him, or off of Lazarus, and brings it to himself. He brings it to himself. Let's look at this in, in verse verse four here. But when Jesus heard this, he said, "The sickness is not the end, not to end in death." He doesn't say he won't die. He said it's not going to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Jesus' response from the very moment he heard about it was, look, it's not going to end in death, but I'm going to get glory out of it. You will see me. You will see God. You will see me. I'm going to get glory out of it. His immediate response was that. Because of his love for them, so then he waited so that they would glorify him. This is a strange paradox to begin to grab. I want to show you two other verses. See, when situations actually... Let's go to this verse as well. In verse 14, um, verse 14 says, So Jesus then said to them plainly, this, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may, be believe, you may believe, but let us go to him. So this is when Jesus tells his disciples, hey, look, he's dead. He says, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you can believe. See, Jesus, 
Jesus waits sometimes in situations like happen like this happen in our life. I'm not talking about somebody dying or whatever. I'm talking about situations where you've made your request to him and you expect an answer. You expect him to move. You expect him to do something. And then there's a waiting period and you wonder why. See, when situations like this happen, the focus turn can will turn from us toward him when he does something. Let's look Jeremiah uh, 9, verse 22. I love this verse. It says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And, and then Paul later kind of repeats the same idea. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Consider your calling. Not many of you are wise. He pretty much just says you guys were a bunch of idiots. Not many of you were even smart. He said, but then go down to verse 29. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, Jeremiah, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. See, Jesus takes the situation. He shows their love, his love for them by showing them how great he is. Make sense? So that when this, this miracle happens, when Lazarus comes forth, they look at him and they boast in him because it wasn't something they could have done. It wasn't something that any one of them, could, it couldn't happen in natural causes. When we, when we make our prayers to God, when we make our requests to him, I, I wonder how do, how do we go to him? Is it out of an identity that he loves us or what we've done for him? And then when he delays in his response, how do we respond out of that? We've, Jared and I, I, I remember sitting um, with Jared and Ben and um, just a bunch of us brainstorming like what City Lights Church would look like three years ago and what it looks like today. And like, all, like kind of just our own ideas of how we would make this thing happen and how God would do this, this, and this. And sometimes there's delays in some areas and, and there's speed in other areas of what this church looks like um, at the, our timetable. Does that make sense? You guys track it with me? There's, there's a delay sometimes. And I look at this verse and our requests, whether it's personal or corporate as a church. And when I see God move, I can only say it's because of him, not because of something that I built. We've talked about this a few weeks ago. You can build a church out of man-made talent, but there's no real depth there. There's no real life change. We're seeking a church that's really making life change, community impact. And that's only going to happen when we look back and say God did something miraculous. Not on our timetable, but God did something on his timetable that we can say, look, that was clearly God. Nothing else. It couldn't have been anything else. It could have been any natural cause. It had to have been the move of God. Does that make sense? Um, so we begin to boast only in Christ when we see God move in ways that we've asked him to at a different pace, at a different way than we expected. This weekend, our prayer is for outreach. We want to see the Banger Heights area affected by the love of God. That's not going to happen because of a bouncy house. It's going to happen because of the spirit of God shows up and, and people begin to see the love that we have for them because of the love that he has for us. And so when we, if, if whatever the reward is, whatever, whatever the return is, we can look and say we boast in him because he has done something there. Whatever this church, the outcome is in this church, we can look and we can boast in him because of he's done something here at City Lights Church. Is that, somebody with me this morning? I, I see a lot of blank stares. Like, 
Is it lunchtime yet? Um, we, in our prayers and in our culture, we, we, we become a culture of instant gratification. We really have. Um, I remember in college, I was supposed to pick a theme, something I wanted to work on in my life and, and develop it and pray to God and try to figure, read a book on it. And for some reason, like patience, I can always use more patience. You know, that's what my thought was. And so I found this book called Patience, My Foot. I have it on the shelf in there. I wanted to learn patience, but I never read the book. Like I didn't have the patience to read the book on patience. Like that's the culture we are. Like I have it. You can read it. You can borrow it. I've, I've never looked at it. I mean, I've read the back and front and maybe like first three, three pages, but like, that's the culture that we are. We just, we want something, but we don't have, sometimes we just don't have the desire to work very long. And we, we've developed that mindset into our prayer life, into, into our walk with Christ. Like, God, I love you. You love me do this. And, it, and even, even sometimes we're okay with him not doing it right away, but we want an answer as why he's not doing it. We're like, God, give me a sign that you are going to do it. Or tell me the plans you have. Like, I love that prayer. I want to know the plans you have for my life. Like what? Where did, where does he say that he's going to tell us the plans he has? For, how about Jesus? Just tell me the plans you have for the next hour. Like, and I'll, and I'll walk that out. Right. He, he doesn't say he's going to tell, like, that's the culture that we are. Like we have these prayers, we have these requests and we want to know where along the line he's going to answer that. Jesus goes to Mary. I, I wasn't even planning on talking about this or he, he goes to them and he, and he asks, um, do you believe that you'll see your brother that he'll live? And she pretty much responds, yeah, I believe, you know, you're the resurrection, the, the end. Uh, she's saying in the afterlife, I'll see him. She's developed her own plan for when. God's going to do something now. When Jesus is actually going to bring John or uh, Lazarus back was not that day. It was some other day. She had her plan. We kind of do that same thing. We want to know when God, when God are you going to move? When God are you going to do that thing I've been asking? When are you going to show me at least that you're trying to do the thing that I've asked about? We, we do that as, as people because it's our culture now. We cannot wait. We've got to have it. Um. I think of um, I think of my daughter Haley, and she she's got three days exist in her life. There was yesterday, there's today, and then there's in the morning. Like if she tells you a story that happened, she's told us stories that happened a year and a half ago, and it'll be prefaced with yesterday. Like yesterday we went to the yesterday. Like I barely remember that. That was a long time ago. And then it's today, and like if I tell her, hey, we're going to do this, I'll say next month. But in her mind, next month means tomorrow morning. She'll wake up and be going, oh, are we going to Pappy's today? No, not till August. Like, are we going to Pappy's today? Like, that's, that's her, her reality. And I think in our prayer life, we exist a lot in that reality. Like, God, do this for me in the morning. God, do this for me this, this evening sometime. Like, God, build your church so that this entire city will know the love of God. In the morning, tonight, you going to do that tonight now, Jesus? Like that's, that's the, a reality that we kind of build sometimes. So when they go to him and they say, Jesus, you know, the one that you love is sick. Jesus' response is, okay, I'm going to chill here for two days. They're like, what? Um, our prayer is we want answered immediately or we want some kind of divine explanation for delay. We want to know why. Um, we want to know why that job application that we filled out, no one's called us back yet, and it's been two days. 
I, I, re- I remember going to college and filling out, man, I spent, it's, who's been there? Way too much time filling out applications for jobs you really didn't even like, but you needed money anyway. Like, I've, I've spent that time just going every store I could find in Lancaster. I was there filling them out, thinking, God, when are you going to hire me? Then I've also been the guy to walk into a building, start filling out the application. And the guy's like, let's come in tomorrow. We'll just, you can just start. Like, I've had both of those experiences in my life. We always want the second one. We always want that. Hey, I'm just going to walk in there. They're going to love me. They're going to look at my shirt and be like, wow, that's a cool t-shirt. You would be a great boss here, you know. We'll give you a raise on your first day. Like, that's what we want. We, we, we pray, Jesus, just take me to the divine places. I want to go to the, the first place that I pull into needs to be the divine spot where you give me that job and then it's a career. That's not the way it works sometimes. It's, you guys know this. It's not the way it works sometimes. But then we want to get frustrated and wonder why. Um, E.M. Bounds, he is apparently the boss on prayer. I mean, this is his complete works on prayer. He's the prayer guy. Um, and I, I saw this quote, and I want to want to read it to you real quick, if I can figure out a place to. Let me just do this. Um, E.M. Bounds says this: Yet faith is called upon, and that right often to wait in patience before God, and is prepared for God's seeming delays in answering prayer. Faith does not grow disheartened because prayer is not immediately honored. It takes God at His word and lets Him take what time He chooses in fulfilling His purposes and in carrying on His works. There is is bound to be much delay and long days of waiting for true faith. But faith accepts the conditions, knows there will be delays in answering prayer, and regards such delays as times of testing, in which it is privileged to show as metal, and the stern stuff of which it is made. He's saying that sometimes true faith is privileged to wait, because it knows God might take his time to do what he wants to do, because he loves you. There's one more quote I want to I look at here by E.M. Bounds. Fear not, O tempted and tried believer. Jesus will come if patience is exercised and faith holds fast. His delay will serve to make his coming the more richly blessed. He's saying sometimes his delay is because he loves you. Sometimes his delay is because he wants to show you how good he is, how great he is. Sometimes his lack of answer is because he loves you enough to not answer your prayer. Thank God I didn't marry the first person I prayed, Jesus, let me marry. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all take a minute right now. Just thank God for who he spared us from, right? Thank God that didn't happen. Whew, that's a lot. I, I, I take a moment and detox. Whew. Thank God that he answers his, our prayers because he loves us in his time. He shows up good when he answers his prayers the way he wants to. That's exciting news this morning. Maybe this isn't the message you came expecting to hear this morning. Jared was talking about going about sons and daughters. Well, he's not here and I did something different. So that's where we're at. We, it's exciting to know that we have a good God who shows us how good he is and that we can boast only in him because he loves us. Let's pray this morning. Father, I, I just ask that you would in the deepest part of our hearts, God, begin to, to do a move to where we, we pray to you, Father. We, we make our requests known to you, and we know that you love us. We know that you love this church. We whom you love make requests, Father, but we are also able to wait for your answer. We are able to wait for you to do, do what you have promised to do, Father. 
in this church and in our lives. God, we know that you provide for us today exactly what we need for today. So our prayers regarding tomorrow and next year, you will provide in your time. God, help us to be faithful people, God, in our prayers, knowing that you love us, knowing that you care. And, and, and when our, our faith is tried, when our patience is tested, Father, you're developing something good in us that we can honor you and look at you and say we boast only in you. Christ, you are all that we, we have. You are the only thing that's worth anything. So we boast in you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.